We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Alex from the Guilty as Charged podcast crew, and I'm here to talk about Manscaped. Just like an NFL game, your balls need to be clean. What happens when your balls aren't clean? I don't know. Joshua Kelly fumbles, Philip Rivers interceptions, Deflate Gate, you name it. Using the Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0, you can groom to your heart's content. Their trimming technology is the best in the biz, and you won't catch a suspension for cheating. Personally, I love the Manscaped anti-chafing boxer briefs. Whatever you want, Manscaped has it. For 20% off your first order, use code GUILTY at checkout. It supports the show, but also supports your grooming habits. That's the most important thing. We care about you. Again, that's code GUILTY at checkout for 20% off your first purchase. Now let's get to those Los Angeles Chargers. Hey, Chargers fans. Welcome into another episode of the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven. Joining me as always are Tyler and Alex. Alex, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing pretty good. I went for a walk, did some studying, got into a fight with the official Chargers play-by-play guy on Twitter. Uh, Normal day. (laughs) Yeah, normal day for you. And uh, unfortunately, Kevin Durant and James Harden are are super soft, so you don't get your uh, playoff game tonight. Itch made. (laughs) Tyler, how are you doing today, man? Dude, I'm so ready to be done with these position groups and stop (laughs) talking about them. Like, I love this stuff until all of a sudden I hit a wall where it's like, God, can we just... Just kill me, please. Oh yeah. <laughs> the nice thing, uh, the nice thing about free agency is that it gives you that break for a couple mm-hmm. weeks. Where, all right, now I get to go back and watch actual like NFL film, which is just so much cleaner and, and yeah, and it's just such a easier evaluation than watching you know South Carolina football fuck up zone coverages every single play. <laughs> <laughs> or or watching a Northwestern guy that you think is a good run defender and then he grades like a 3.6 raw <laughs> athletic score. My guy Patty Fisher ran a slower 40-yard dash than Rayshon Slater, a 300-pound offensive tackle. <laughs> so not great for him. Um, but, yeah, today we are going to cover our, uh, our safeties and our linebackers. This is going to be our last position breakdown. And then, you know, in the coming weeks uh, we obviously have – you know, when you guys are listening to this, it's going to be two weeks out from the draft. So the next couple episodes for us are going to be our release of our top 50. Each of us have created top 50 of prospects this year. 
Uh, we're going to do a whole episode on that and kind of breaking down who we have where. Uh, we're also going to talk about some quote-unquote nightmare scenarios that we each have for the Chargers. Uh, something that I kind of tweeted out yesterday and you know gave a little teaser for is, is going to be talked about, um, which is still kind of keeping me up at night, but that's okay. Um, and Jesus. then we're going to do our final mock draft. I'm just kidding. It's not actually keeping me up, but it's not a fun scenario. Um, and then we'll do our final mock draft. And then, of course, we will be uh, going live to cover the actual draft on Thursday, April 29th. So cannot wait for the next couple of weeks. Uh, hopefully get some interviews in there as well as some other draft islands, but we'll see about that. Um, we wanted to start today with some Chargers actual news, right? Well, I guess you, you news depending on who you ask to, who you talk to. But uh, Justin Herbert, per Bet Online, has the seventh best odds to win the 2021 MVP, which is honestly pretty like that's pretty good. Not that's pretty good numbers for a second year player. So we kind of wanted to talk about that uh, and maybe kind of outline his path to truly becoming, you know, a legitimate MVP candidate. So Alex, what do you think here about Justin Herbert having the seventh best odds? tied with Russell Wilson for uh, best odds to win the MVP next year. I mean, it makes sense. You know, he's coming off the Offensive Rookie of the Year campaign, uh, has a new offensive coordinator. Everything should look cleaner. Uh, and as we know, with the MVP award, uh, rightfully or wrongfully, uh, it is the who, who was the best quarterback that year award. <laughs> um, you know, there's no running backs who are going to get the award anymore because nobody runs the ball. Uh, and, you know, they're ultimately replaceable. So, you know, you're not going to get an, an LT or Adrian Peterson kind of season anymore. God forbid a defender wins the award. Um, <laughs> so it's just going to be quarterbacks. And do I think Justin Herbert has a chance to ascend into the top five? Sure. Um, I don't know if I see him being better than Aaron Rodgers and uh, Patrick Mahomes, but also, you know, Aaron Rodgers just won this year, and sometimes the NFL media voters just go, oh, I want a new guy to give the award to. <laughs> and it wouldn't shock me if that was Justin Herbert. I mean, it happens to LeBron every year in the NBA. Uh, so I would just say uh, it's it's a pretty good uh, odds. I would take 22 to 1. You know, I wouldn't bet on Mahomes 5 to 1 or Rodgers, you know, whatever he is, just because that's just so, you know, you're not making any money there. So, you know. Uh, I'm not encouraging gambling. Uh, this is for entertainment purposes only. <laughs> but I, I would just say uh, it's pretty good odds. And uh, it, to, for him to be up there with Russell Wilson uh, is, is really impressive uh, and maybe also states how bad uh, Seattle's offensive situation is right now. Uh, but, yeah, no, I think that he could definitely win MVP. just depends on – you know, how he adapts to new coaching staff, how he adapts to his new weapons, and I'm um, curious to see how it goes. I, I, could he win MVP? Sure. Like, I'm, I'm not, should he be in the conversation next year? Perhaps. It is possible. Some would argue that with a couple more, you know, actually starting 16 games and having known he was going to play 16 games, and maybe he could have been in that conversation last year. But, you know, like you said, they're looking for someone to give the award to that's different every year, sort of. He did win Offensive Rookie of the Year last year. And I think some people are going to think that, you know, he won that thing last year. Like, let's find another guy this year. Even if it's for a different award, I just think he had so much, like, hype and so much, you know, that he won the freaking award and had the greatest quarterback uh, season in NFL history. And so I think people are just kind of be like, yeah, we'll look for the other guy. Plus, Rodgers threw for 48 touchdowns and five interceptions. And while I think Herbert's going to be more efficient, I just don't think he's going to be throwing, like, that much. And I think the defense should be better to the point where he's not having to throw for 48 touchdowns. 
Um, if he does, great. If he does for 48 yeah. touchdowns, like they're, they're making the Super Bowl probably. Um, I just don't know if that's going to happen in year one with Staley, with new offensive line, new coaches, right. and everything. So could he be in the conversation? Sure. Should he? Will he win it? Yeah, I don't know. Well, the first thing that would have to happen for him to win it, right, is that the Chargers would have to be a legitimate contender. Like mm-hmm. that's, mm-hmm. you know, so that obviously goes hand in hand. Like if the Chargers do end up winning 12, 13 games with the 17 game schedule, then yeah, I would assume at that point, Justin Herbert's in the MVP conversation. Um, you know, like we said on the live show, there is a world in which the Chargers make the playoffs next year. It's just not the likely thing to happen. They have too many holes across the roster. Um, and, you know, inevitably injuries are going to happen to some, some key players. That's just the, the reality of the NFL. So, could it happen? Yeah. And if I were betting, like if I'm a betting man, I probably would take those odds. Like that's, that's a good opportunity to make some money. Um, I just don't know, like if I'm a Chargers fan and, and I see that and I'm like, Oh man, like that's, it's really cool. I, I just, like I said, like Alex said, I, I don't think it's going to happen, but uh, it's definitely a cool thing to talk about. And it's honestly like the thing, the thing that I keep thinking about in terms of like the Chargers and their quarterbacks the team hasn't done great, man, but going from Rivers, from Breeze to Rivers to to Justin Herbert, man, like it's just insane kind of quarterback luck. And I'm just like so grateful that the Chargers are not in this kind of situation where they have to go get a quarterback or, you know, they have a guy like, you know, Cam Newton where they're just hoping that he can be okay. And then maybe mm-hmm. they're going to trade up for Mac freaking Jones. So uh, just really grateful that the Chargers have Justin Herbert and, and a great bright spot for the future going forward. I just want to say, I saw a picture on Twitter of uh, Kyle Shanahan looking uh, at Justin Fields, and he had the sex eyes. That Mac Jones stuff is bullshit. <laughs> he's, he's taking Justin Fields, man. It makes no sense to me. What does that look like, Alex? <laughs> Uh, just, you know, just looking at him, like, really, you know, like, like he wants a piece of it, you know? Yeah, can you, can you do that? Is that a... Can I do what? Can you make the sex eyes for me? I don't know, just like the... <laughs> you, 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 can, you, can, you can do that. I mean, look at the picture of him. You can go on Twitter and say, look at the picture of him looking at Justin Fields. And Justin Fields is, like, sweating. He has, like, a vein pulsating out of his head because he's, you know, running around everywhere. Like, it, it looks like, you know, and, you know, McCorkle, all due respect to McCorkle, he, oh, he just doesn't give off those same vibes to Kyle Shanahan, you know, and Bill Belichick is grimacing looking at him. Uh, it, it just, you know, I just saw a picture on it on Twitter, and I can confirm that he's taking Justin Fields. Okay. Uh, if, if you're listening to the audio <laughs> version of this, please go watch the video version so you can see that that conversation happening. Um, but in, in all seriousness, man, the, the Mac Jones thinks the number three makes no damn sense to me. Um, you know, this league, this NFL has always, always preferred traits above everything else. Like this is the same league that took Paxton Lynch in the first round. And, you know, even Tim Tebow was a freaking truck as a runner. Like at least that kind of made some sense. You know, the, the fact that Mac Jones is getting like legitimate consideration for the third overall pick is crazy to me. And not just the third overall pick, they traded up to get him. If they wanted Mac Jones, they probably could have stuck at 12 and taken Mac Jones there. Like, it just makes no sense to me. And, you know, we've talked a lot about the Shanahan offense and how easy it makes things for the quarterback. Why would you not want, like, the best possible version of the quarterback? And so, you know, settling for Mac Jones and everybody's like, well, he's just like Kirk Cousins and Matt Ryan. It's like, 
And that's a that's a good thing. Like, what is the what is that conversation supposed to be about? Yeah, I mean, like Kirk Cousins is fine, but the thing with Kirk Cousins, he was a fourth round pick. Yeah, like, yeah. Best, yeah. And you know, I'm not going to say you know Mac Jones should go in the fourth round. Like, if if you really want him in the second or third, or if you want him in the uh, you know middle of the first, fine. But like a top three pick is someone you know who has you know elite athletic traits. You know, Kirk Cousins was brought in because. They weren't sure about RG3 because of his health, and, you know, that went from there. Um, he, he was a fourth-round pick. So, like, and I get it, it's different because Kirk Cousins played at Michigan State and Mac Jones plays at Alabama, and anyone who plays at Alabama is going to get that kind of attention, and he had a good season. But, like, um, yeah, for, for me, he just doesn't have the athletic traits to warrant trading up. Uh, now, if you want to – take him, you know, in the top 10 still, you know, maybe there will be a team that does that, but I I just never understood that. And they literally just had a quarterback who, you know, was a physically limited passer. Like, I, I don't get why they would want another one of those guys. I was just looking up the draw. I couldn't remember what the compensation was for Rivers, but the Chargers are having to get Drew Brees in the second round, and then they take, well, they take Eli, then they get Rivers, and I think they got a couple of picks. And then Herbert for no picks, like that's a pretty impressive. Like and the fact that the, the Niners would trade three first round picks, well two futures I guess, for Mac Jones, where the Chargers you know gets Breeze in the second, Rivers for some extra stuff, and and Herbert for free. Like it's, just, it's wild. So I'm so I'm so thankful the Chargers have Herbert. Yeah, I mean, if it was 2004, like, maybe Mac Jones could be a top 10 pick, but, like, there's so many things that quarterbacks have to do now, and I just don't think he fits any of them. No, I you know, we've kind of all been skeptical of, of it actually being Mac Jones, and it just makes too much sense for them to take Justin Fields after Zach Wilson goes to the Jets. Granted, I think Justin Fields should go second, but that's a different conversation. Yeah. Um, so, as this pertains to the Chargers, right, like, it – it would be fantastic if Mac Jones were still on the board or, or maybe even Trey Lance if Trey Lance falls. I doubt that's going to happen. But, you know, Mac Jones being on the board at 13 gives the Chargers at least, you know, an opportunity to call someone like Washington or Pittsburgh or Chicago and be like, hey, man, like uh, you want to give us that second, that extra second round pick and you get you can get Mac Jones. Like so that that would be a great outcome for the Chargers at this point. Um, obviously, unless Rayshon Slater is on the board, which I don't think he's going to be. Um, you know, trading down is still my preferred option. Uh, I would, we've had this conversation a bunch, but please do not take a wide receiver. Um, definitely prefer trading down over taking a wide receiver. So that's that conversation. We're going to get into these linebackers first, and then we're going to spend a little bit more time on the safeties because I think, you know, everybody kind of agrees that safety is a bit of a bigger need than the linebackers. And frankly, this safety class is really freaking good, and this linebacker class is not very good. In my opinion. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to spend some time on the linebackers uh, again, you know, kind of keeping the same formula that we have for the past couple of weeks. You know, a guy that we are pounding the table for, a guy that we are selling on, and somebody that is a sleeper candidate. So, uh, Tyler, we'll kick it off with you. Which linebacker are you pounding the table for in this draft? For the record, for everybody listening, me pounding the table for these linebackers doesn't mean that I want to take them at 13 or that I even think that they're worth right. like a top 25 pick. This is just in general. Yeah. yeah. So my pound the table guy uh, would be Jamin Davis. Uh, I would not I would not take him until the second round for whatever team's going to take him. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say he's a first-round pick, but there's a lot to like about him, as at least as a run defender. I hate bringing up PFF, but he's their highest-graded run defender in the SEC by almost like 20 points. 
He was second in tackles, you know, one of the five best missed tackle rates, second in run stops in the SEC. Um, he has incredible burst and length moving from sideline to sideline. Right. I do think he needs to go into the position a little bit more and become more comfortable shedding blocks and working through traffic. But the attitude and the effort are definitely there. Um, he also scored in the top 12 in RAS this offseason, right behind Patrick Sertan. So that kind of gives you an idea of how athletic this guy is. I don't know if he's a fit for the Chargers, per se. And to be honest, they shouldn't be getting a, a round two linebacker. But, yeah. you know, hey, I do like him a lot. I like Jamin Davis a lot, too. And, you know, there's a lot of love for him, it seems like, among draft analysts. Daniel Jeremiah has him as, like, a top 20 player, I think, or maybe top 25. Um, that's a little bit rich for my taste. But, you know, he definitely fits the kind of modern linebacker that teams are looking for. The dude is an athletic freak, and I know pro day numbers are kind of inflated in general. But, you know, him putting up that kind of RAS score is fantastic. So, um, Alex, who uh, are you pounding the table for among this linebacker class? Uh, I like Monty Rice uh, out of Georgia a lot. He's probably a guy that's going to go in the fourth round, so you don't have to take him uh, super high. You probably take him very closely to the beginning of day three. Uh, I think he won the Buckus Award winner, was all SEC uh, as a linebacker. And what I really envision him doing is kind of being um, a Paraman replacement because I think they need someone who's going to tackle uh, and be an early down run defender, right? Like they really need depth uh, more than anything else at the linebacker position. He's super uh, instinctive, I think, as a tackler, has really good uh, placement, can play a little bit of pass coverage too. Um, and also, he did play special teams at Georgia, uh, so he has value there, you know, combined with uh, B.J. Bello and, you know, Kyler Fackrell and some of these other guys they've acquired. Um, so I think that he would be a really good fit for the team, uh, and you don't have to spend super high capital on him. Really, when I was looking at the linebackers, it was just like, who can replace one of the guys that we lost, <laughs> right? And, you know, if you can replace Denzel Perriman and you spend a fourth or fifth round pick, I think that that's really what I envision drafting a linebacker for the Chargers uh, in this draft looking like. Yeah, you know, they'll have to add some depth to this room, right? Like, they can't just enter into the offseason with, um, you know, Kenneth Murray, Drew Tranquil, and Kaiser White being their three primary linebackers. Like, they'll, they'll have to add some depth. Obviously, with, you know, a base 3-4 front, you're not going to have to have as many inside linebackers as a 4-3 defense. Mm-hmm. So that will change some things, but they'll still have to add to the group. And, you know, Monty Rice, you turn on the game against Alabama, and this poor dude is being asked to cover Jalen Waddell on, you know, slot <laughs> fades, like, all the freaking time. But he was doing pretty well, and he wasn't step-for-step step with, with Waddle, But, I mean, he was, you know, a couple steps behind, even got a pass breakup on him. And so – I think Monty Rice is somebody that could come into the league and, uh, you know, kind of outkick his coverage. And I think he's got the athletic tools to to really shine in certain schemes. And so I, I'm a big fan of his as well. So my guy here, we're going to have a couple of disagreements today. Uh, Jabril Cox is the player that I am pounding the table for. Um, Jabril, of course, is a North Dakota State transfer to LSU. Kind of speaking to his character there. Um, you know, you don't really see a whole lot of FCS guys transfer to the SEC. Um, frankly, they just kind of stay there and hope that that kind of uh, dominance, you know, carries weight into the NFL. But he transferred up, and he didn't have to do that. He was getting legitimate third, fourth round buzz last year, and instead he went to LSU. Um, so, you know, LSU obviously has a lot of talent, right? Like they have Jacoby Stevens, they had Derek Stingley last year there. Um, I, I forget who's on their defensive line this year, but obviously Tyler Shelvin opted out. But there's there's a legitimate argument, in my opinion, 
that Jabril Cox was their best defensive player last year. I think Derek Stingley was a little banged up, so that kind of helps. But the thing to like with Jabril Cox, in my opinion, is that he is the best coverage linebacker in this class. Like, I don't think it's even close. I don't think anybody in this class can touch Jabril Cox's ability to cover tight ends, running backs, even some slot receivers. And so that's something that he really showed at the Senior Bowl, where I feel like he really kind of established himself as a top-tier linebacker. You know, he had no issues covering Trey McKitty, Noah Gray, whoever was there, he locked them down. And so I, I think that his ability to cover is going to carry a lot of weight in the NFL. Now, in terms of the physicality, right, like that obviously was the biggest difference for him. You know, going from the FCS to the SEC, he he wasn't kind of making the same impact as a run defender that he was at North Dakota State. But I think he can certainly grow into that role as he grows stronger and becomes more accustomed to doing that. But worst case scenario for Jabril Cox is he can come in, be a coverage specialist, maybe serve as a potential kind of safety linebacker hybrid because I think he absolutely has the athletic traits to do that. Um, so I'm a big fan of Drew Cox, and I feel like he's a very safe player. Uh, and to me, that's kind of the biggest thing in this linebacker class because you have Micah Parsons, who, you know, obviously there are the character issues, but he's kind of an edge linebacker hybrid. Same as Zayvon Collins, who's also kind of an edge linebacker hybrid. Uh, Jeremiah Usukoromoa, I have a greatest as a safety, so there's a little bit of overlap there. I feel like Jabril Cox is the safest linebacker in the class, and so he's who I am pounding the table for. I think we almost agree. Like, I completely agree on what <laughs> is good about him, yeah. and I agree about what you don't think is as good about him, which is, you know, the run, run defense and the tackling. I guess I just graded him a lot more harshly in that run defense. Yeah. To me, when they're talking about, like, quarterbacks and trucks versus trailers, I kind of feel like that sort of applies for linebackers as well, whether you want to be the guy who's trucking the guy in the run game or trailing and grabbing him as the, as the guy's just getting past you. And I honestly hated almost every moment of watching the Alabama game for whatever reason. And I watched it again today, all 34 freaking minutes of that all 22. Oh, it's so long. <laughs> it's so long. And I wasn't, my safety later was a 43-minute game. Anyway, um, he just looked like he was kind of just jogging, always trailing to make a tackle, never really hustling to get out in front, not really good at shedding blocks or and he likes to be just taken down the field on a ride. You know, and, and then it compares to someone like, like Jamin Davis. You know, Jamin Davis on 20 fewer run defense snaps, you know, had, had 20 more tackles, 10 more run stops, but a missed tackle rate that was half of Dribble Cox. So for maybe it's just like a gut thing for me. Like, I, I totally agree about what he does well in coverage. Like, absolutely, there's nobody else in the draft, unless you're saying that Uwusu Koromoa is a linebacker. There's nobody else in the draft at linebacker who can cover like him. Sorry, I haven't graded Parsons yet, so ignore that. Um... I don't know, just like, if I saw him more as a safety, I think I'd grade him a little bit better, but as a guy who's a linebacker who has to make these tackles and has to be something against the run, like, I just, I was not all yeah. that impressed, and to me, like, if you watch Cox play Ole Miss and then go watch Jamin Davis play Ole Miss, it just looks like one guy wants to be there more than the other, so maybe it's just like a gut thing for me, I don't know, but that's just kind of how I feel about him. I don't hate him, like, I think he has like a six-something for me, but I, I just wasn't as thrilled, I wouldn't pound the table for him. Yeah, I think the the biggest thing for him that will determine whether he kind of succeeds or fails at the NFL level is just does his processor improve? Like when he's got yeah. kind of looking at inside making tackles or kind of being patient, does that improve at the NFL level? 
Um, and look, we just saw an example of someone who had a historic rookie season uh, based on his mental processing improving. So, you know, uh, it's always possible for Jabril Cox. Uh, I would tend to like him a lot. I think I side more with Steven in this regard, but I do think there are things <laughs> things that need to be uh, cleaned up on the inside for sure. Yeah, you know, I think for me, like when you're looking at like these tier three players at their position, like the goal is trying to find like – at least a, a, an above average trait, right? And mm-hmm. so Jabril Cox's coverage ability for me, you know, it, it carries a lot of weight because that makes him a safe player because at minimum, like you're getting somebody who can come in and be a cover guy, which definitely has value. Um, so that's definitely something that, that, you know, we've had this kind of conversation with uh, Craig about Milton Williams and things like that. You know, you're just looking for one or two elite mm. high level traits for this player to come in as a mid round pick to be able to, you know, kind of develop that player. So um, let's get to players that we're selling on. I'll start this one off with Ernest Jones from South Carolina. I actually like him. I think he is, you know, a, a very strong run defender. I think he he's one of the few linebackers in this class that will actually, like, go and take a block head on and, like, go make a physical run play. Um, but he's so stiff and so not fluid in coverage. And so I, I don't know how much value he has in, in this modern NFL where everybody is being asked to cover. I think as a run defender and maybe as a special teams player, he can definitely carve out a role. You know, Alex was kind of talking about this with Monty Rice. I think, you know, Ernest Jones would bring a lot of value to the Chargers as a run defender. Um, but Mel Kuyper Jr. and Tom McShay had him as a second-round pick. Um, I can't speak for where the draft network and pro football network have him or pro football focus, but uh, apparently he's getting legitimate second round buzz. And so that to me is why I'm selling him because I do like him as a player, uh, but taking a strictly run defender only linebacker in the second round uh, is not something I personally can get behind. So Ernest Jones, like him as a player, but I am selling his current value, at least based off of what Todd McShay and Mel Kuyper are saying. Uh, for me, I think it's uh, Nick Bolton is kind of the guy that I'm selling uh, of this class, uh, it just mostly because of his evaluation and the fact that you would have to take him in the second round yeah. um, based on a lot of mock drafts out there, kind of like Jamin Davis. Um, and he's a lot worse than Jamin Davis, <laughs> which is the problem. Is, um, yeah. His size... His size isn't very good. Uh, I think he's like 6'0", 220 or something. Like, he's kind of pretty small uh, for a linebacker. Uh, he does have okay, like, run defense skills, but I actually think at the point of attack he's blocked uh, pretty easily. And his tackling technique, he's always, like, this always shows on film, he's, like, dragging guys down uh, pretty frequently and not, like, wrapping up as a tackler, which is, like, as a linebacker at the NFL level, you kind of, like, need to do that. Um, so uh, I do think he has good movement from sideline to sideline, but, like, a second-round pick. Also, this is just my general thesis on the draft for the Chargers. Is just, like, they. I don't see the point of drafting a linebacker in the second round, like, unless you're getting a Jamin Davis-type guy um, because they have all these other needs and you have – three starting linebackers, right? What I think they should be looking for is what I talked about with Monty Rice is depth, someone who can carve out a role. Uh, but to me, Nick Bolton in the second round, especially when you're already starting Kenneth Murray, uh, who's a lot bigger at Mike, uh, that's just, uh, it would be a weird fit. Yeah, his best attribute is definitely coming downhill. as like a one-gap penetrating Mike kind of linebacker. Yep. 
when he blitzes, he's really quick, but he's just sometimes just hesitant in the run game. When his instincts kick in, I think he's really quick to fly to the football. But otherwise, I don't really think there's a whole lot that he does super well. Um, I personally thought he was almost like a Denzel Perryman type. Um, but the mm-hmm. Perryman made a lot more game-changing plays. Yeah, so, yeah. Even then. It's just tough for me to look at Nick Bolton and be like, yeah, man, like this is somebody that I want on the Chargers. And like that doesn't like heavily influence how I look at these players. But I mean, you know, I'd be lying if I said it doesn't like influence them at all. And so mm-hmm. – you know, somebody like a Nick Bolton, I think, is going to be a, a good player for another team, but he's just he's redundant, right? Like, you don't need to take Nick Bolton because you have Drew Tranquil and Kenneth Murray and even Kaiser Wright who are going to play games. And that's the other thing here is, like, we don't know how the Chargers are going to use linebackers under Brandon Staley because the Rams hardly ever used any of their linebackers. It was always – they were in dime package, I think, like 40% of their snaps last year. And because John Johnson could cover a lot of that role. And so obviously the Chargers have Derwin James. And so how the Chargers use linebackers is going to be very interesting. Um, obviously, I think they should add depth. I think if you're looking for like a starter linebacker, you probably have to wait until next year. Kind of wait until you see what Kaiser White and Drew Trinkle are able to do in the next year or two. So Tyler, who are you uh, selling stock on? It was Jabril Cox, so we already covered this kind of. All right, that's true. Here we go. <laughs> All right, well, who is your sleeper then? We'll, we'll go there. Yeah, look, I don't think Chaz Surratt's really a sleeper. I consider you'd probably get him like the third round, but I'll talk about him because I didn't watch a whole lot of day three linebackers. Um, so, but I, there are things to talk, like, to talk about that I really like about him. You know, 6'2", 230, Absolutely. scored well in speed and agility, voted you know, team captain, defensive MVP. What I love is that he was a former quarterback who got to college to play quarterback and then decided after a wrist injury to try his hand out at linebacker. And he tries out his hand at linebacker, and his first year makes 115 tackles and six and a half Crazy. sacks. Follows it up with another 91 tackles, another six sacks. So, you know, this kid clearly has the juice to pick up, you know, the game of football on either side. And I'd be very fascinated at the conversations he could have with Staley because they were both college quarterbacks and then turned to the defense, although you know, one coaches and another one plays. So he has a lot of untapped potential. And for him to pick up that position that quickly, I think is very interesting. And if he's there in round three, it's – it's a conversation worth having. I agree with that. I think Chaz Surratt, it's so funny how, like, you have these two brothers, right? And and his yeah. brother was, like, considered the better pro prospect last year, and now it's kind of flipped. Um, I'd be interested in taking Chaz Surratt in, in the third round as well. If he's there at pick 97 and that's the pick, great. I don't know if he'll last that long because, mm-hmm. again, he's one of these, you know, very prototypical modern NFL linebackers, right? Because he can cover, he can play the run, he can do all these things. And this past season, you know, he was able to rush the passer a little bit too. I mean, he put his hand in the dirt as a defensive end slash outside linebacker. So I think he's a really versatile guy. And if the Chargers decided to add him, like I would understand, you know, a guy like Brandon Staley wanting to add a player like him, um, especially with his quarterback background, like uh, Tyler mentioned. So um, I think Alex might be frozen. Does he look frozen to you, Tyler? Yeah, unless he's really in depth listening to what I'm saying. <laughs> he's just pulling a he's pulling a Drax and trying to see if he's invisible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully we get Alex back here in a second. So I'll talk about my sleeper in the meantime. Um, and that's Nick Neiman from Iowa. And you know, we were talking about Patty Fisher and his kind of lack of athleticism. And in general, that's kind of what you think about when you look at you know a white linebacker from yes. the Big Ten, right? Uh-huh. Like you, everybody has these stereotypes of of who is what. And so that's just kind of what you think about in the big 10, these slow white middle linebackers, but he actually plays weak side linebacker 
it, for the Hawkeyes, it's kind of a similar role to what the Sam and Otto role was for Kaiser White and Uchenna and Wilson before him. But the thing about Nick Neiman is his athletic traits are really off the charts. Obviously, like I said, you know, the pro day numbers are a little inflated this year, but he tested in the 99th percentile for linebackers this year. Um, so it's just kind of outrageous. You don't really see that kind of athletic profile at Iowa. Um, and very similar to another to Jabril Cox. He's not like a physical downhill linebacker. Um, he's definitely more of a space and chase linebacker. You know, somebody that's, going to evade blockers and not run through them. But again, he's somebody that can cover really well. He did a lot of zone stuff and he has great awareness and able to read the quarterback and the routes well. Um, And I think, you know, the biggest thing in terms of his draft stock is he didn't play a whole lot, right? Like Iowa ran a 4-2-5, didn't really put that weak side linebacker on the field very often. Um, But this past season, he actually played a little bit of middle linebacker for them, actually led them in tackles and I think helped his draft stock. So I think in terms of like a sleeper linebacker that could maybe be, you know, a a starter in a pinch and and a special teams guy, I think Nick Neiman fits that profile. And because of his athletic traits, you know, there is some upside and maybe he could become a consistent starter there. So Nick Neiman from Iowa is my sleeper. Alex is back now. uh, So hopefully the internet is good. Um, Alex, who is your sleeper linebacker here uh, that we'll get talked that you can talk about here? Uh, I would go with Tony Fields uh, from West Virginia, originally from Arizona. Uh, he went to uh, or transferred to West Virginia, and he kind of became the starting Mike linebacker there uh, fairly quickly. And yeah. um, there's just a lot of pop from him on tape, and you can just kind of see him uh, use his length really well. Uh, he is he was a four year starter in college, three thousand defensive snaps. Uh, He's just a, a really strong player. Uh, I think he's really explosive. And I just, it's weird because I never see him get talked about uh, in a lot of linebacker conversations in the draft. Um, but for me, like, if there's one guy the Chargers could take that I think would work really well in a Staley defense, particularly um, maybe not as an every down starter, but just as a chess piece uh, to use, like, I think it's kind of Tony Fields. He, um, he also is a special teams contributor, can come off and blitz. Like, I just think he's really, um, really solid. And I'm just surprised because someone sent me a mock draft with him, I don't know, a month, a month and a half ago. And I was like, okay, I don't know who that is. And then when I started watching the tape, I'm like, okay, you know, this guy's got something to him. Uh, I think he's just got a lot of quickness, uh, explosiveness. And uh, if they want to take him to be kind of that, chess piece in the Staley's defense like I said he's really patient uh, I think as a defender and he also is really good at kind of reading the quarterback pretty well too so uh, if they want to take him you know I don't know what round he's really going to go in because I haven't heard a lot of discussion about him so I would guess like somewhere between the third and the fifth uh, I'd be all for that yeah he's somebody that uh, you know I was talking with Ryan Dyrud on, on our live show on Saturday about him um, the Rams definitely need a linebacker and so you know he was kind of saying that you know, a guy like Tony Fields would be somebody that they'd be interested in targeting. It was like a fourth, fifth round pick. So uh, I think that makes a lot of sense for the Rams or for the Chargers, frankly. There's so much overlap now between the two teams. It's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. um, guys, any thoughts on any, any other linebackers before we move on to the safeties? I just want to talk about Neiman for a second. I had no idea who he was, and I don't even think he's on TDN's draft board. Like, I tried to mock, like, draft him, and I don't think he's even on there. I totally pegged this guy wrong. Uh, 
like my sister dates a white guy from Iowa, and so I kind of <laughs> figured I had that all figured out. And um, and even in his draft evaluations that people wrote, it's like tough, hardworking, blue collar guy. It's like, oh, geez, it's you know, one of those guys. Yeah, <laughs> we know how this is going to go, but he's a lot better in coverage than I would have given him credit for. So I'd be very interested to see, you know, how he how he how he develops. Um, I thought he was a little stiffer than his RAS score indicates, but you know, what do I know? But you know, good for him for not for being a, a true blue collar guy, but also being you know an athletic white guy. An athletic white guy. There are some of us out there, contrary to popular belief, we do exist. Not me personally, just general we. Um, all right, so we're going to move on to these safeties. Uh, I think this is a good conversation about linebackers, so, but uh, we're going to move on now to these safeties. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast. All right, so I'm going to kick us off with the safety conversation. Uh, everybody knows who I'm going to choose for my pound the table guy. It's Richie Grant out of Central Florida. I think he's one of my favorite players, you know, regardless of position in this class because he can truly do it all. And I, you know, I had some conversation with somebody who was like, well, he, you know, he's not, he's not really that athletic. He, he ran a four or five. And I'm like, well, you watch his tape, and he does everything. He covers deep. He's got great ball skills. He covers in the box. He's a great physical tackler. You can get a little overzealous in the run game, but I think that's definitely correctable. And he can cover in this slot, and he did it very, very well for uh, for the UCF. I think they're the Golden Knights or something like that. Anyways, um, and then he went down for the scene, went down to the Senior Bowl, and for good measure played at outside cornerback and was easily the best defensive player in Mobile, in my opinion. And so he can truly, truly do it all. I think he's somebody that, as a modern NFL safety, that can, you know, fill a variety of roles. Uh, I think he's a perfect fit. Like, everybody knows me, knows that I do not hand out comps, you know, very often because I I just – I don't think that it's fair to either side. But when I watch Richie Grant at UCF, I felt like I was watching how the Chiefs used Tyron Matthew. As somebody who can play deep, somebody play in the box, somebody cover the slot, 
and play, you know, dime linebacker in a pinch as well. So I think there is a definite role for Richie Grant on the Chargers as somebody, as a team who's going to be looking for all these versatile defensive backs. I think Richie Grant is somebody that I would absolutely love the Chargers to get. Yeah, he's a guy that, I said this on Twitter, I don't have a first-round grade on him, but that's unfair to him. Like, it kind of ignore my grades for this one. It just happened to shake out that way. But he's so good. Like, I really watch, I really love watching Richie Grant play. The fact that he can do everything is, I mean, he can literally do everything. He'd be such a perfect fit in this defense. And I might even, like, I said the same thing about Morig. I might also take Grant over Asante Samuel Jr. as well. The guy is so dynamic and so versatile and so good at everything that it's really hard to pass up on him. Yeah, um, I don't know how it goes as far as taking them over corner, just because I, I think that is such kind of a huge need, and they sort of pigeonhole themselves into that position. Yeah. Um, but I do think Richie Grant is a really outstanding athlete. For shizzle. All right, so I'll move on to my pound-the-table love guy, and that's Trayvon Morg from TCU. I love this dude. You know, I, they're basically, Grant and Morg are basically neck and neck for me. Yeah. Uh, for Morig, you know, it's so hard to exploit this guy in coverage because he can be move all, moves all over the defense. He handles anything you can throw at him. He was the Jim Thorpe Award winner for de- best defensive back last season, which Desmond King won a few years back. You know, previous winners include Deion Sanders, Charles Woodson, Minka Fitzpatrick, and Eric Berry. So, you know, you win that award, you're not a bad defensive back. He can really cover everything. He's consistently making plays on the football. You know, and he's a downhill attacker. What I love is that he does everything like he like he did it in practice. You know, every rep looks so well conditioned and trained. You know, I'm going up to make a play on the ball, wrap one arm around the guy in case he makes the catch, but the other arm in front. Sorry, I'm waving in front of the camera. You know, tight ends can't, you know, they can't body him. You know, they can't get in front of him. Speedy receivers can't really burn him deep. You know, the whatever route they run, he's just kind of patient and takes everything so well. So it's that same calmness but tight coverage and then followed by a pass breakup on, on almost every target, it seems. So, you know, him and Grant, I, I really like. I'd pound the table for either. Steven chose Grant, so I chose Morig. <laughs> yeah, you know, just real quick before we get to Alex's guy, uh, I have a 6.95 grade on Richie Grant, and I have a 6.9 on Morigs or Merrig mm-hmm. or however you say it. So I think both players are are fantastic, and you know, just kind of pushing back on the over the corner thing. I really like the middle of this cornerback class. So to me, I would 100% mm-hmm. take Richie mm-hmm. Grant or Trayvon Morig in the second round if they're there, and then you can get a cornerback like a Paulson Adebo or Ifiatu Melifonwu in the third round. Just my opinion, I think that it's easier to find a legitimate cornerback one in the third round than it would be a safety. We're going to talk about some other guys in the safety class, but I do really think this is a deep cornerback class, and it's not really getting the credit it deserves. Um, Alex, let's get to your pound-the-table safety. Somebody I – if Richie Grant were my guy, I think I'd probably pick him as well. So let's uh, hear your conversation uh, about Hamza Nasruddin. I like him a lot. I I think – had he not, you know, had the injuries he had and towards ACL, yeah. like I legitimately think this guy would be a first round pick. Um, and you look at his career snaps before last year, uh, he has the versatility uh, and he played, you know, 250 snaps at linebacker prior to last year, 300 snaps at slot corner, you know, 600 snaps, free safety, 300 strong safety. Who does that remind you of? My draft crush last year, Isaiah Simmons. Uh, (laughs) That's kind of what I see when I look at him. I I sort of see kind of like a baby Derwin James vibe uh, to him, but he doesn't have quite the burst he used to, which is a little bit concerning, but still I think he can be used as a Staley chess piece, uh, really great run defender, and really great at diagnosing plays. 
Um, I, I kind of see him as sort of a, I, I guess at this point, like a Jaquiski tart um, in San Francisco. I think that would be sort of a good comp uh, for him and what he would do in this defense immediately um, as a contributor. So, you know, he's coming off that ACL, but, you know, he came back uh, this year to play, uh, I think, three games at the end of the season. And uh, I, I thought he looked really good. It, it felt like he hadn't uh, missed a beat despite that injury. Uh, so, uh, and you probably can get him in the fourth or fifth round, uh, you know, unfortunately because of the injuries. And, you know, it, it's somewhat hypocritical because with some guys we talk about, like, oh, well, this guy's not worth taking because of their injury history. And that's sort of how I feel about <laughs> Caleb Farley right now, though. The difference between, say, like a Caleb Farley is, you know, you're taking him in the first round versus you're taking Nasser Dean in the fourth or fifth. Um, so I just think he's really impressive, had a really great senior bowl. Uh, and I think he's going to kind of be a stud in the NFL. And I think he can – the worst-case scenario with him – is if you don't think he's agile enough, if you don't think he's moving quite as well, convert him to linebacker because he has the yeah. size to do that too. He's six four, um, so like I think that could be an option for him too. Um, I just think he's so versatile and can do so much that you know if you can get him in the fourth or fifth round, to me he's like uh, the perfect Staley chess piece. Yeah, him and Divine Diablo are kind of like the same player in my opinion. They're you know very physical, very similar physical profiles, similar attributes, similar kind of usage in, in college. So I think those two are are interesting players to keep an eye on. All right, let's talk about some players that we are selling our stock on. Uh, Tyler, why don't you kick this one off first? Cool. Uh, I'm selling on Demar Hamlin. I know that's going to be brought up in a little bit. <laughs> Uh, they just have a couple of problems with him. You know, the missed tackle rate is 16%, which is more than double of Richie Grant. Uh, yeah. I think he's a guy who tries to deliver hits more than wrap up and finish. He has a pretty average RAS score. You know, he played, he played four years of college football and was supposedly the highest rated defensive player coming out of the state of Pennsylvania. And he still hasn't reached that potential. Like some, like TDD, I think TDN has him in like the 200s or something. And it's like, I don't like that. Like you're supposed to be this great prospect and you just, pfft. he had four seasons of college football and just, pfft. You know, and he had two seasons where he missed time due to injury. He had six penalties last season, which is, you know, Grant and Morick had two combined. So between the missed tackles, some injuries, not really reaching his potential, the penalties, I'm just selling him. Although I think, I don't know, you like him more than I do, but then I think I like Hamlin kind of where he's being projected to be drafted, which is like maybe like day three. So yeah. maybe I'm not like selling him because I think right where he is kind of makes sense, but I don't like him as much as you. Well, I, I, to me, I think he he falls in the realm of a sleeper, right? Like, he's yeah. not somebody that I'm taking, you know, in round three. Like, you know, if the Chargers take a cornerback in round two, I'm not going to be like, all right, it's time for DeMar Hamlin. Let's do it. <laughs> um, so I, I think he's, you know, a fifth, sixth round player, and I think that, okay. that makes a lot of sense. Um, I definitely want to see him clean up his tackling form. Um, him and Paris Ford, it was kind of infuriating to watch those two just, mm-hmm. you know, pretend that they were Cam Chancellor when they're really <laughs> not. Um, but I, I think what you like with DeMar Hamlin is his ability as a cover safety. Uh, I think he diagnoses plays really well in zone coverage, and he's got really good ball skills, uh, something that really flashed on tape, particularly against Miami and North Carolina. Um, so, like I said, I'm not taking him in, like, the third, fourth round, but okay. you know, he is my sleeper pick because I think, you know, if you're, tar- if you're targeting somebody in the fifth, sixth round, I think DeMar Hamlin makes a lot of sense. Alex, who is your sleeper? 
Uh, my sleeper is going to be Tariq Thompson uh, from San Diego State. He had 12 interceptions, uh, I believe 35 pass breakup opportunities. He's a very willing tackler, uh, and he doesn't quite have that prototypical size, who I'm going to talk about with the guy I'm selling. Uh, but I think he makes up for it with with how he plays, uh, sort of like Nasrul Dean. I think you can sort of just use him uh, as a chess piece, however you want to use him. Uh, and I think you can just get him, and you know he'll compete probably with Adderley for you know whatever reps they get. It's just kind of a bolster the depth pick, but I think he's done enough at San Diego State to really prove um, you know his versatility, and I think he could really, um, he's a really willing tackler. Like that's the most important thing about on in the defense uh, right now. And I think if you get one of those guys, particularly at the safety position, uh, I just think that works out really well. And you could probably get him, you know, sort of like Nasr Dean in the third, fourth, fifth round. Yeah. So that was my bad getting a little overzealous on the sleeper conversation there. Um, but I think that's, that is a good pick there for a sleeper. I think him and Darren Hall, it was, really, it was a lot of fun watching that San Diego State defense work, and I think both of those players would be uh, definitely fit the sleeper bill. So I'll go back to my person that I'm selling stock on, uh, and that's Trill Williams. I know he technically is listed as a cornerback, but really he kind of rotated as a slot corner and a safety, so I would have him listed as a safety. I think, you know, he does fill a, ro- a lot of roles. Like he did play and move around a lot, but he's kind of like that, master of none player like he he moves around but he's not making like a strong impact and it was just really tough for me like you watch Syracuse defense and you watch Andre Cisco making these great plays on the ball and being this super rangy free safety and then you watch Ifiatu Milifon who would be this lockdown cornerback and then Trey Williams is just kind of there like he I think he's a fine player I think you know a lot of people on Chargers Twitter are a little too high for him you know saying that they should take him in the third round, fourth round. I I can't get to that point. I think he's much more of a developmental player. He's definitely got some athletic traits. Um, but I'm, I'm selling the current stock on Williams. I just – I don't think that he is, like, an overly special player. I think he's more in, like, the solid range. Uh, and I, I just kind of disagree with that evaluation. So we'll go back to Alex. Uh, Alex, who's the player that you are selling stock on? Man, people from Syracuse, New York, are not going to like this episode because <laughs> my guy I'm selling stock on is Andre Cisco. Uh, oh, the, the safety. Um, look, I think he has really good size and athleticism. He's a ball hawk, and people will point out, you know, he has 13 interceptions in 24 games. Like, you know, I'm not really disputing any of that. But, like, despite all of that, you know, he does play, you know, in a secondary that includes, you know, two top, you know, three round picks, you know, so you have to, uh, you know, I know Steven posted a clip the other day that was like, oh, you know, he got a pick, but that pick was created by Ifeatu. So it's like, you know, there, there's a little bit of nuance to those numbers, but like the, the things that I see on tape with him, he gets re faked out really easily. And I'm not just talking about by like the Trevor Lawrence's of the world, because other than Trevor Lawrence and Sam Howell, uh, a lot of the quarterbacks in the ACC are uh, dookie water. Um, so it's, it's, it's a little bit, you know, just getting faked out all the time and he bites really hard on coverage and it it really just doesn't look good when he's wrong. Um, and I, again, I, I think a lot of these things are fixable. Um, but something that I think is kind of a, a lagging trait of his is also tackling. Like he is a guy that fine, like single hides, not too bad. But to me, he's the last guy like that I want as a run 
supporting safety. Um, and I think that's a real problem for him. So I don't know. It's a tough evaluation because I, I just think he's really out of all the prospects that I've sold or I bought stock on or whatever, he's just such a boomer bust guy. And for the second round where the chargers need to hit kind of a home run uh, and, and bolster the depth or get a you know, guy who can start. I just think he's way too risky of a pick to make. Yeah, I, I don't, I'm definitely not taking a second round pick on him. You know, when we're when we're looking at these safeties, I think, you know, Tyler and I both have Jeremiah Usukorma listed as a safety, but I think him, Richie Grant, Trayvon Morig, and maybe Javon Holland, you can make that argument. I think those four are so far and away mm-hmm. better players at the safety position than really anyone else in the class. I think the gap between the tier one of the safety position and tier two is, in my opinion, bigger than any other group in this position, any other position group in this class. And so I think if that's kind of why I want the Chargers to draft one of these safeties at 47, because they do need to draft a safety. Like they're going to have to add Mm -hmm. more bodies into this, into this position room, because if they play a lot of dime package, like they did with the Rams, they're going to have three safeties on the field. And I would much rather take a Richie Grant, put him on the field, than Alohi Gilman or, you know, somebody in the fifth, sixth round like DeMar Hamlin. So I think the Chargers will probably add a safety earlier than people think just because I just think it's a it's a premium player. Like, that's the difference for me in terms of, like, taking a cornerback in round two who probably is a Sante Samuel Jr. or or an Eric Stokes maybe. But, you know, you have Ifiatu Melifanu, Paulson Adebo, all these other guys, all these other cornerbacks who in round three – aren't that far away from Asante Samuel Jr. in my opinion, whereas the gap between the big three, big four safeties and the fifth safety is ginormous. I'm yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't know if they're going to take a guy in the second round, but I think the argument to them, you know, taking a guy earlier than people expect is certainly the Staley positionless defense, right? Like just getting guys who can make tackles, make plays, um, and not really – you know, caring about the position labels too much. Uh, I think that's definitely something that helps the stock of a Richie Grant or, you know, some of the other guys that we've talked about. And the only thing I was going to say is that's an interesting thought, Stephen. I had not thought about, you know, the drop-off being so steep. And that is kind of true. Like if I had to choose between, you know, Grant or, you know, reaching for like Hamlin in the third, you know, I'll take Grant and take someone like a Debo in the third. No, I like that conversation. It's very interesting. I had not thought about that before, Stephen. Well, thank you. Uh, I don't know, man. It's just, I think not enough people are kind of talking about this. I think, you know, like right now, Cameron Bynum, I has listed as a safety and he's right after Javon Holland. Um, And that's a position conversion. Like he he played cornerback in college and, you know, he's he's switching to a different position. And then you have Homsa Nasraldine, who, like Alex said, comes with the, you know, injury baggage. I will say, I think Jamar Johnson is probably like the one caveat here where, if the Chargers could get him at 77, I think that would make a lot of sense. But again, you know, if he's that safety five and he's kind of, you know, jockeying with position with Javon Holland, maybe he goes earlier than people think. And so I, I just think that the safety position is being a little undervalued by Chargers fans just because, like, they're going to have three safeties on the field more often than not. And, you know, I was having this conversation with Jason Reed about, you know, maybe drafting an edge rusher in the second round or the third round over a safety. And it's like, well, the edge rusher that you're drafting, unless it's a first-round pick, is going to be playing like 10, 15 plays a game. 
you draft a third safety, that player is going to be on the field like 40, 45 snaps a game. Mm. And mm-hmm. so he, you're not drafting a quote-unquote starter, but you're drafting someone that's going to be on the field for 50% of the snaps and play a lot on special teams. And so I think it's a position that they probably will use one of their top 100 picks on. You know, granted, nobody knows what Tom Delusco is going to do. So this is just kind of me making an educated guess, right? But I think they should add one of these players to this position group just because they need the depth. You know, I know Alex is higher on Mr. Adderley than the two of us are, but I don't know how much you can trust him. I'm certainly not trusting Alohi Gilman to play, you know, 50 snaps a game. And as much as we all love Derwin, he hasn't been healthy. So to me, like, it makes a lot of sense, like, to add a safety in the second or third round. And at worst case, you have insurance, right? Like, you have a high-quality player who you could plug into action in case, you know, in the worst-case scenario and break glass case of emergency type of thing. Um, but I like the top of this safety class a lot, and I would be willing to spend a top 50 pick on one. I'll tell you what they're going to do in the draft. They're going to take uh, <laughs> those top four picks. They're all going to be best player available wide receivers. Uh, I've confirmed this with Matt Money Smith. So, you know, that's that's what it's going to be. Um, but, yeah, I think the thing about the safety class is they're all a lot rougher um, to watch and uh, just in terms of, coverage or you know what they're doing as tacklers what they're doing kind of in the open field um you know like I've, I've criticized jc horn as like being a you know uh poor tackler or you know criticizing some of the situational things he does but like to me the cornerbacks are a lot better and i think a lot easier to fix the things they're bad at uh, in this class than i think the safeties are uh and that leads to a lot of boomer bust situations in the second third rounds um you know like andre Sisco who I mentioned, uh, and, you know, there's quite a few other guys that I, I think fit that mold, or, you know, they blew up their ACL four times, and that's that's the package that you're taking the chance on. Um, so, you know, I, I really think that's just – it's just the safety class. Uh, it's a really weird one. Also, the PFF dude saying that J.C. Horn isn't even a first-round player, like – Garbage! Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, that's, that- that's ridiculous. Like, I understand, you know, Alex has Patrick Sertan. Some people still like Caleb Farley. I get that. Sure. Not saying that J.C. Horn is a first-round pick. Like, that's that's some garbage, man. Like, that's that's just a terrible take. Yeah, and, like, he, you know, the whole, like, Justin Herbert, <laughs> people got out of him about that. <laughs> yeah. And then I had to quietly be like, I didn't really like Justin Herbert either. <laughs> but, <laughs> but then be like, yeah, let's pile on this guy. <laughs> oh, man, that was just... I don't know, man. PFF is is hard yeah. to follow, but they, I don't know. That's a different conversation. But JC Horn is is an awesome player, and at worst cases, he's probably gonna be like a top twenty pick. So, um, all right, guys. Any other thoughts before we wrap up today's show? Uh, I don't really have too many thoughts, but uh, I'm excited to do the big board episode definitely yeah. next week, uh, or we're doing it this Sunday, and uh, so, you know, see how we all see the top fifty. Uh, this is my first time doing a big board, so I kind of have, like, no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> um, and, you know, I saw, you know, Tyler and Steven have these, like, grades, and, you know, this guy is a 6.456, and this guy is a <laughs> 6.457, and therefore, because this digit is in the thousands place, this guy's 31 and this guy's 32. I didn't really do that. I was just like, yeah, I like this guy, so I'm going to put him at 31. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, we'll see which one of us is right. I, I don't know who's going to have the most top 50 picks. That would actually be a fun thing to look back on uh, and see who did the best in their big board. 
Uh, but yeah, uh, we'll see. Yeah, this is my first time doing a big board as well, unless you count my like five quarterbacks last year as the big board. <laughs> which is, you know, I did have Herbert high, rated higher, or so I just want to point that out. Uh, but super well on that one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, and I'm very excited. Uh, I Look, I was supposed to talk about a sleeper safety, and I don't want to. Because <laughs> I, sorry, Tyler, I, I, I know, that's okay. <laughs> I totally cheated because I was like, oh, God, I'm running out of time. So I Googled sleeper safeties in this draft. <laughs> <laughs> and so I got Christian Uphoff from Illinois State. I'm like, okay, fuck it. I'll watch Christian Uphoff from <laughs> Illinois State. <laughs> and then I watched him. I turned on the first game, and it's 43 minutes of all 22 versus, like, Northern Iowa. I'm like, what oh the my fuck gosh. am I doing? <laughs> so here's good on special teams. For a couple oh. of reasons. This draft needs to just hurry up and get yes, here. Please. I can't watch any more film. Look, I love you guys, but please stop sending me your shitty mock drafts. <laughs> I love you guys so much. So much for your support for the show. But please, don't send me your mock drafts with Nick Bolton in the second round. <laughs> oh, man. I, it's that time. It is that 100% that time of year where you're you're just kind of burnt down from watching film. Uh it's so funny to me. Like I went into this off season and I was like, you know, I'm just going to nail down like a top 100 feel really confident in that top 100. Uh, no, I have like 247 players graded right now, Jeez, so, dude. Uh, <laughs> but it's okay. I mean, you, sometimes you love it. Sometimes you don't, when you watch the defensive tackle class, you just want to poke your eyes yeah. out. Uh, other times you want to, you know, you turn on some cornerback tape on, on if you have to and you're just all fired up. So kind of balances itself out. Um, and you look at Ian Rappaport's Twitter, and it's like, I've actually heard that Jamar Chase is the best wide receiver prospect since Jerry Rice. Oh, <laughs> that's that's the season we're in. Some of the narratives, man, like the whole baseball thing with Justin Fields oh, yesterday, geez. it was so stupid. Like, oh, I, I just – it's exhausting at this point, and uh, I cannot wait for it to be over, frankly. Um, but I, I'm really excited about our conversation for the big board. Um, you know, as the only person who did do a big word last year, it's, it's been very interesting to kind of look back and compare. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit uh, mm-hmm. on Sunday, but I'm really excited about that episode as well. So that's going to do it for us today, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. Um, Tyler just did a breakdown uh, on our YouTube page on Trayvon Morig or Merig or however you say it. Um, so definitely go check that out. Alex also wrote an article for Bolt Beat uh, about why the Chargers should not take a wide receiver. So definitely go check that out. Uh, and my two profiles this week on Alex Leatherwood and Joe Tryon should be coming out very shortly on LEFB, so please go give those a read. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see you guys next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.